And now, a real story from a real soldier. It's the Soldier Stories Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast Soldier. This week's Soldier Story begins. As we begin another Soldier Stories Podcast, my name is Fife. With me is my wife, Kat. Hello. And today we have a very special guest for the Soldier Stories podcast, a veteran of the Navy, a turret gunner for one of the airplanes, and a member of the greatest generation, Jack Rosencrantz. Did I say your last name correct? That's correct. (laughs) Very good. I wanted to make sure. Now, Jack, I'm curious, as a member of the greatest generation, I want to know what that means to you when you hear that term, the greatest generation. Well, (laughs) that's hard to say because... Well, being part of it is, uh, you don't think of it that way. You just, as far as the service was concerned, which I guess is the basic part of it, you were just doing a job. This greater generation didn't come until after it was all over with. And you just did your job and... Hopefully you did it right. Well, I feel like history absolutely shows that you guys 100% did it right. Can we talk a little bit about before military time, what life was like back in Oshkosh when you were younger? Well, we were an average family, and uh, I I had a sister, and we grew up together as a family, and we did everything as a family. There was no TV. Uh, The church, I guess you may say the center of our lives, and we, we did things together. And being together all the time, I mean, you were you were very conscious of of other people then too. It just feels like there was more of a sense of community back then. One one of the biggest things would be if, like, on a Friday night, if the movies were right, we were allowed to go to a movie. Oh, neat! That's so, <laughs> so cool. But we went as a family, and of course, then the war came along, and then you saw the war pictures, and all. And, oh, I thought that was pretty neat, you know. Yeah, it was an interesting time. There was no television, you know, newspapers were there and things like that. But you found out a lot about what was going on, especially overseas with wars, with newsreels that ran at the movies. That's right. And uh, I guess the thing that uh, surprised me or or I think about afterward was uh, the things that you saw on the news broadcasts in the movies and uh, that that always intrigued me. And then, of course, the newspaper. And uh, I don't know, you just, everybody talked about this and that, what they'd like to do after they got out. And, well, I wanted to be in the Navy. So okay. I graduated from high school on the 11th of June of 42. And I was in the Navy on June 12th of 1942. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you well, wasted I, no time. No. Well, I had previously uh, uh, signed up for the Navy. Uh, and they let you know, then I finished high school, and then I was in, in in service then. What would you say inspired you to want to join the Navy? Like, was it something that you always wanted to do, or was there, like, one thing that kind of triggered it? Well, that's hard to say. I, 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 I kind of always wanted to be what my dad did. Okay. Um, he, was in the, he was in the Army over in France. Okay. And uh, in his stories, I mean, they intrigued me, and, and uh, I don't know, I, I just kind of, Wished I could do some of that, too. Not as it turned out, I did. So what did you find um, so interesting about the military? Was it your dad was able to travel and see all of these places? or? Oh, he, not so much that as it. Uh, he, he, didn't, he just dwelled on certain things that... Uh, well, he was he was on a on a railway artillery, if that's if I oh. might say. Uh, they took a big naval gun and they put it on the railway car, and that was uh, well, well. The Germans had the same thing they called the Big Bertha, 
and it was a big 16-inch gun that that wow. he was uh, in charge of at that. Okay. And I didn't that that always intrigued me and. He'd answer a few questions. And was he not the type to talk too much about it, not too much detail? No, he didn't. Yeah. If he, he'd, he'd answer questions, and, and then that was about the end of it. But. Yeah, I, I think that happens. What I'm finding anyway, as I talk to more and more soldiers on the podcast, most of those guys, m- most don't just come out and talk about it. But if you have questions, mm-hmm. usually pretty open to talking about it with you and, and sharing those experiences. Yeah. I think one of the things that uh, when you talk about what what somebody else had done and they answer your questions and and, uh, it's done in a way or they answer you in a way that it it isn't so much as what they did is what we did. Now I understand what they did too because it isn't what you did, it's what we did. As a team. As a team. I mean, these guys that said, oh, I was out there and I did this, I did that, well, you Subtract about all of it and then maybe listen to him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best way I've ever heard it put. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so you're, you're in high school. You're finishing things up. Mm-hmm. And you've already signed up for the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, when you told your family what you wanted to do, how did they react? Well, they, they kind of knew I was gonna, that I wanted to be in the Navy. And, and uh, it was kind of strange or, well, it was an odd situation. I had a heart murmur. And uh, I couldn't play football because of that. So when I was ready to go into the service, everybody was at the station to see me off, and I said, well, I'll see you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, three years later, I was, I saw them. <laughs> That's very interesting. I, I didn't get back home until, until about three years later. Did, were wow. they aware of the well, heart murmur going uh, in, or was that something that they didn't really check for? Well, the, we, we all kind of agreed that, I mean, I couldn't play sports in high school, that uh, the Navy isn't going to take <laughs> take an invalid, so... As it turned out, uh, that didn't mean anything. Well, that's awesome that you got to serve because you wanted to serve. So do you remember, because uh, I'm not sure what they call it. Is it still boot camp when you're in the Navy or is there a different it, name for no, it? No, it's boot camp. I know this is a while ago. But do you recall how you felt arriving to the base that first time? The first thing that came to my mind, <laughs> I guess, is is what in the heaven's name did I, <laughs> did I get into? <laughs> and... Uh, and then uh, uh, it was so strange. Everything was very strange. I mean, you, you didn't you didn't uh, speak unless you were spoken to. And uh, this was a job that you did, and and you did it. And so when in boot camp, it was uh, the first thing we were told was that you forget about uh, civilian life because you're in the navy now and you take orders. You don't ask why you do them. And as a result of it, uh, you gradually learn to. Do it the Navy way. There was always three ways. It was the right way, the wrong way, and the Navy way. Okay. All right. <laughs> Do you remember your drill instructors? I, I, can, I can barely remember this, the, this, the fellow that we had. He was, he was very strict, and uh, you called him mister, and uh, you were very polite. You were, you, were, you were really nothing under his feet. That was about what it amounted to. And then we got a, a questionnaire, I guess, came out uh, that they needed— they needed uh, some men for the Navy choir, and uh, oh boy, I, if I can get out of this, I'll go it. So I, I did make the I, I did make the Navy choir. Okay. So they took me out of that boot camp that I was in that that company and put me in the choir company. Okay. What would you say would be the biggest differences between that company and the choir company? Well, 
I didn't have to march. <laughs> I, I didn't have to learn to tie knots. And our food was better. <laughs> and uh, let's see what else. Oh, we and we had warm water. We had warm running water at the oh, time. Oh, so. that must be nice. <laughs> yeah, that was nice because cold showers didn't work. See, and knowing where you end up, that makes me very curious about how these transitions are about to happen. You're in a choir right now mm -hmm. in the Navy, but eventually you're going to be flying in planes, shooting guns. Yeah. At other enemy aircraft, like this is this that's a big jump. <laughs> that is a big jump. So you're in the choir now. How do things begin to well move along? We uh, boot camp was uh, was uh, I think if I remember right was was five for I think it was six weeks, and we were in the choir for the six weeks. Well, then as our time came up, well then we. Uh, left the choir company and graduated into uh, a job applicant, so to speak. If you were suited for a job, you qualified for that job. Okay. I, uh, I was quite mechanical, so I went to school for aviation mechanics okay. and uh, graduated from that in, in uh, Navy Pier. And then uh, I was always a gun nut anyway. And um, I made gunnery school down in Florida. And then from there, I was put into a group of people. It's called Cashew. It was a combat uh, carrier. Um, it was a group that, they, that, the, that the carriers chose from, uh, like a reserve. From there, I made I was chosen into, a, into the squadron that I stayed with then. So it all happened within, a, I would have to say, within maybe five months. Wow. I know we're going backwards, but do you remember where you were when you heard about Pearl Harbor? I was in high school then. But do you remember specifically like where you were that day? I mean, I, I think of Pearl Harbor much of the same as September 11th. Mm -hmm. where I know exactly where I was and what I was doing. Do you, oh, yeah. do you recall where you were, what you were doing when you found out? Mm, gee was I, I really don't know. I, I, uh, I really can't answer that. I, I, no. I was in high school, and I know we all talked about it, and I know we talked about it at home. Do you recall feeling a lot of anger? when you found out about it, uh, a need for, for retaliation, or was it not really in your thought process because you were still in high school? No, I, I didn't have any anger. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know how to put it. Um, Did you feel less safe after that happened? No, it, it, it was... Um, it wasn't near us. It was it, it was it was foreign to us. It was sure. way out in the islands, mm -hmm. and it wasn't in our country. I mean, it, well, it was in our country. Uh, it, it was it was a, not it, the mainland. It wasn't the mainland, and no, and I guess we just wanted to get out there and and help. And I know one thing. I guess you could probably put it that getting into combat and uh, getting into something that wasn't quite the way it should be. It was always the other guy that was going to get it, not you. And I guess that's one of the biggest things that, that whatever happened, I don't, I, I'm going to come out of this all right. Okay. Well, you didn't have no idea that you could or, or would or wouldn't. But uh, Was it a sense of being a young man and feeling invincible? I guess maybe that would be very close to it, yes. You, you were, well, you were 18 and 19 years old. I mean, you, you're going to win everything, you know. Sure. 
So um, you you went through training. You mm-hmm. go through basic. You do uh, the choir camp, which mm-hmm. I love. Um, and then you do this uh, mechanics course. So you have like your basics and then you do the mechanics and then you do the gunnery school and then you're getting set up for a job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so is that when you knew that you were going to be um, a turret gunner? Is that something that you were wanting to do? Or is that just they were kind of like, all right, Jack, this is what you're going to do. Well, when I, when I went to gunnery school, it was, it was uh, first of all, they taught you how to shoot. Well, I, that I knew how because I was hunting ducks and hunting everything else for all, when I was little on all. So that came very naturally to me. And uh, I guess uh, from, from there on, you just kind of graduated into the different f- firearms that, that uh, the Navy had or used. Did you have special training for the turret? For the turret gun? Well, gunnery school taught you, they taught you the, the, the use of a machine gun and then the use of a machine gun in a turret. And you put the two together and then, and then you practiced with a, <laughs> with, with a turret that had a gun in it. Okay. And, but it was all on the ground. Oh. So I didn't get into flying until I was, uh, until I was a, uh, assigned a squadron. What sort of range of motion does that turret have? for you when when firing the weapon well you had a control if you can picture a handgun in your hand Mm -hmm. and this is what you had to control the turret every every place that you pointed the turret would would uh, go where you pointed it electrically if you raised raised the little hand up the the turret gun would go up if you put it to the side the turret would swing to the side so it was it would be just like uh you, you became part of the turret you became part of the gun then was the turret fast enough that you could react as as good as you needed to uh it had two speeds it had a normal speed where as if you got behind you uh you had a you had a um uh, an emergency high speed. If you got behind the water you were shooting at, and you were, then you you could flip a switch and go into a high speed uh, maneuver on the on the turret. Uh, you didn't use that an awful lot because it put an awful strain on the motor. That was kind of only as a last resort, anyway. Where uh, in the process of your training did you eventually meet the guys you would fly with? Well, I had boot camp. I graduated from boot camp. Then I went to school and got my rate out of my out of school, mechanic school. Mm-hmm. Then I went to gunnery school, and then from gunnery school, we went to uh, to a group that they chose for for uh, replenishing these squadrons. And then I went. Uh, I was chosen for uh, then I had a, an opening to go to the squadron that I was in. Okay. And that was uh, Torpedo 5, Air Group 5. The Torp Cats. The Torp Cats. <laughs> and uh, when I got into there, the uh, that was the first time I'd ever flown. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was fun, you know. I was... I don't know. It it didn't bother me. I enjoyed flying. <laughs> I absolutely love that you just you'd never done it before, and you were just all about it. Like, yeah. all right, let's do it. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a, a gung ho kind of thing, and uh, I guess the thing that that I enjoyed it. You you were in control of it. There was only one time that there was uh, an enemy aircraft shot at. The rest of the time was all strafing, and so basically it was. Uh, it, it was it was shooting 
at other people, of course, that they were on the ground and on the different islands or whatever we were hitting. Okay. And uh, if we had the opportunity, the pilot always uh, said, you know, to, to strafe gun emplacements or whatever it was that, that we were had time to do. I guess the first time in combat was, that was, I guess that was the most scariest thing that I ever had. The first combat we were in was uh, pre-dawn. You saw all this fireworks coming up at you. And, but it was, it's not going to hit me, you know. (laughs) And it went right, you know, go on right past you. And and what they thought afterward, they said, every time you saw a tracer coming up at you, there were five rounds in between that, too, that you don't see. Wow. I thought, well, boy, they're just coming in slow, you know, boom, boom. Well, there was five of them in between (laughs) that you didn't see that were coming up, too. Things you learn when you're actually there, right? <laughs> I guess you had the attitude that it's not going to hit me. And you just keep doing your job. Uh, yeah, I'm going st- to I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it out of here all right. And uh, if something happened, it was going to happen to the other guy. Do you think that most of the people you were serving with had the same attitude as you? I think, I think we all did. Okay. I think we all did. And we were all hoping, of course, you didn't say, well, I hope it happens to you and not me. You didn't right. say that. But uh, uh, you know that somebody is, wouldn't come back. And uh, the first the first raid that we hit was on a little island of Marcus Island, and um, uh, that was the pre-dawn attack. And we were scheduled for three missions, and um, so we hit uh, we hit the early morning or pre-dawn. Then we came back to the well, when we were coming back to the ship. Uh, then a second raid went out, and when they were on, through coming back, we were rearmed and refueled. Then we went back a second time. For us, well, that made the th- three times. And um, when I got into there after coming back, I thought, well, what in the heaven's name did I want to go the second time for? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you get so gung-ho about it and, until you're actually in it, and then you kind of get the reality of, <laughs> I should have stayed home. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the newsreels have ended up on YouTube, and, and it's really interesting to be able to go and watch those now. And... I have to ask, having seen the planes landing on that ship, and I know at the time it was probably top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art, looking at it now, it looks absolutely terrifying. Absolutely, yeah. So scary. What was that like? Um, You know, you're in the plane, you know somebody is controlling it, and now you have to land on basically a floating dock. Yeah. Well, it was a postage stamp when you looked down at it, and yes, you were... (laughs) We were lucky because uh, we were all on uh, <clears throat> on on uh, fleet carriers. That was the biggest one. We uh, I was on the Yorktown. Yep, the Yorktown in some pretty um, big battles. Well, I was on the I was on the New Yorktown. The Yorktown was in the Battle of uh, uh, Midway, where she was sunk, and right. then uh, the New Essex class carrier was. The, the, this one was coming off the, the first one to come down was the name of the was the name of the, of the class which was the Essex so it was the Essex class carrier that was the first one off and the second one coming off didn't have a name yet oh and the, the old Yorktown was sunk and then in honor, they named this ship the Yorktown. What did you find scary? Did you find flying the missions or being you know landing on the <laughs> landing on the Yorktown? Well, if you could. 
I rode backwards all the time. I always, I, I was always saw where we, where we had been, not where we were going. Okay. But um, but when you're when when you're coming into land, there, there was plenty of room on a big carrier. It's the guys that had the the, the little jeep carriers that uh, the, the, I don't know how they took it, but they you know it's. You learn. You learn to do it. You learn how to do it. And and uh, the guy that's the, you learned to understand and and follow the orders of the, of the uh, landing signal officer. If he said raise up or climb a little bit, you climbed up. If you do to the right or to the left, you did that, and he'd bring you in. Is it a pretty pretty quick thing where once you've landed? You need to get your plane off to the side so the next guy can come in, and then you yeah. got to exit. We had. Uh, we had 26 seconds between planes as they were coming in to the carrier. We circled the carrier. We had downwind, crosswind, and with the wind, and then uh, and then on to the final. And uh, when you turned to come in on the final, they were just releasing the plane ahead of you from the from the wires. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> so you had plenty of time to come in. If there was something happened, then you received a wave off. I, I saw that there could be um, different things with the newsreels we were watching. There could be different things that would happen mm-hmm. when the plane comes in. Either, you know, the way it hit that, that wire, it made the plane tilt. If you, if you come in, when, when he gave you the cut, um, you immediately cut the power. Okay. And the pilot had the choice of landing or taking a wave off. But he didn't have the choice of landing if he received a wave off. If he received a wave off and came in anyway, he was reprimanded and very seriously. Well, you're on the Yorktown and, you know, it's an aircraft carrier. What's it like living on on a ship like that? Uh, what was, what was? I mean, it can't be very spacious down below. On, on our carrier, it was. Was it pretty spacious? We, we were... We had plenty of room. I mean, we were in our in uh, in our in our bunk room. I mean, our for for sleeping, we were three three bunks high. Oh. Well, they were they were canvas. Uh, well, I would have to say if you stand if you stood up, you were you your your nose was at the top of the at the top of. The, well, if I can be honest with you, this room right here specifically, uh-huh. it's not the smallest room. I get claustrophobic in here. So I, that's why I ask when you, when I'm talking about the quarters of the, the ship, because I feel like that I'm not the guy that could have handled that at all. Oh, so we weren't in any room. Yeah. We were just in a great big area. Okay. And uh, in, in a room this size, yeah, you'd have three, six, you'd have 12 guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, I mean, this is a lot of room. <laughs> I mean, if you weren't um, up in a plane, you were on the boat. So you were eating on the boat. You were sleeping on the boat. Everything was on the boat. On the ship. Oh, yes. Thank you. On the ship. <laughs> um, a boat is carried by a ship. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just had to see it. No, right. I love it. Thank you. Um, so what was that like? I mean, transitioning from you go right into the sky to on the water. I mean, was that difficult? Well, you got to remember, I wasn't the pilot and he's had, he had all the work and, and the expertise of taking off and coming in. But, uh, if I could talk, we were all in a group and, um, we were brought up one by one to the, to the flight line. Now this is on top of the, this is on the carrier deck. Mm-hmm. We were brought up to the flight line, and uh, then the the guy he he would he would position the plane, and give you the to run up the engine, 
And if if the raves were normal, he'd, he'd give you the the sign to take off, and then you'd you'd have the the run. And to give you an idea, I think at TBF, if I remember right, you had to have wind of thirty six miles an hour. You mentioned TBF for anybody listening. That's a TBF Avenger. The Avenger, yeah. And now that's a three. Uh, person crew, three person crew. Okay, so it did, what had happened is um, the ship would make up the difference what the plane lacked in speed. Huh. So if you needed forty miles an hour to get up, but you could, you had only twenty out of the plane, the ship had to make up the other twenty. Wow! So that was how it went. That is so cool. <laughs> and and then coming in, you the landing signal officer brought you in. So it it was but but you had a it was also practice. And you had to know what you're, what you're doing and what they wanted you to do. And we, as far as my radio man and myself, uh, we just we, we were just baggage. I mean, we we just <laughs> we just rode <laughs> rode along with. Yeah, but you were baggage that provided the uh, the backup that maybe needed. Yeah. You know? well, I guess one of the things that that uh, that was so easy is riding backwards and coming to a stop. I I had I had a whole back to to stop me. The radio man down below. Uh, had a tendency to be shoved forward. Oh. So he he had to make dog on sure he didn't end up with his nose in the radio. Uh, did you fly with the same guys every time? Yes. Okay. Um, we were assigned a pilot. As it turned out, we had um, about 10 months with the same pilot. Okay. And then we came back for a rest period. Then we a new crew, and we went back on a, basically a different ship, but we were lucky our uh, air group. Um, I flew with the same radio one twice, and the same pilot twice, and uh, all uh, I had uh, four different pilots that I flew with. Did you keep in touch with any of these guys after? No, it's a funny thing. I, I uh, my radio one, my last radio one that I had was the only one that I kept up with. Yeah, and um, you stop the letter and. And go to the Christmas cards, and pretty soon you stop the Christmas cards. And uh-huh. but I never followed through on any any of those guys. Did you have a, a group of friends that you didn't fly with that were on the boat that you kept in touch with, or was it for the most part when the war was over, you went home, went back to your family? As far as I was concerned, that was that was what happened. Yeah, I um, the, one of the, my from high school, another fellow that we graduated together. He, we joined the Navy together, and. and I made school, which was uh, which was the mechanic school out of boot camp, and he didn't make school. He went to a different school, and as a result of it, um, uh, he was a a, a coxswain on a uh, landing craft and uh, went to Europe. The poor guy didn't he, he didn't make it home. Mm-hmm. So there, there was a that. few guys like that that you know it's. There, there again, you think, well, gee whiz, you know, that could have been me, but it wasn't. And, you you know, you're, 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 you're thankful for your lucky, lucky stars and uh, there's somebody, somebody was watching over you. Right. <laughs> Even though you were fighting the same war, did it feel like a different war, do you think, from the European campaign and the Pacific campaign? Did it feel like it was a it's different completely war? completely different. Yeah. Well, as far as we were concerned. Right. Overall, it was, yeah. it was all of the same. Because all, we were, we were, it was all ships. And all landing, uh, uh, um, covering the landings from these on, on islands. Okay. And with the Europe, it was completely different. It was all land. Yeah. And um, the 
the only thing that was that, that would be the same as far as the fighting of the land was be concerned would be the Marines when we took these different islands, as opposed to the um, European War. So um, this is kind of going back and forth. What sort of uh, gear, what sort of protection did you wear in the plane? A flight suit and uh, and a May West for if you went in the water. Would you like to describe why the uh, why the life preservers were called the May West? <laughs> Because there were, <laughs> she was well endowed. Yes. And as a result, as a result of it, <laughs> the well, if, you pull, the, if you pull the cord on it, yeah, it, then then we became. <laughs> no, I mean it. It is uh, that became the name. Everybody called them the Midwest. Yeah, I mean. It's a thing. Uh, it was an American thing. It's it's kind of a yeah. funny thing though when you yeah. think about it. Like the the weird or the, or the different names that might fall on equipment that you're using. Yeah. Just because it, I don't know. Does it give you a little bit of a connection to home? Does it feel like that a little bit? No, it's a, it. Uh, <laughs> I, not, I not the May West stuff. Uh, no, no the, <laughs> I mean, it's. I guess when we got it, everything had a different name. Sure. And then what what the correct name was, uh, well, like the Mae West, you didn't say your I, I wanted my life preserver. Right. You'd, you'd, you'd say, say your Mae West. Well, you knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I guess that's about. The, the helmets weren't much of a helmet. It was like a leather. It, it was a, a, it was a summer flying. It was it was canvas. So uh, initially you're on the Yorktown, but then you make your way to the Franklin. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. So is that uh, just a was it was that a new round of um, tour of mm-hmm. duty that you ended up on that ship that the transition no, that was, happened? That was again. That was uh, that was the tour of duty. Yes, it was uh, the Yorktown. All the carriers had so had so much time, and then they had to come back for re- for uh, repair. Oh, okay. Um, whatever new new things had to be put on, maybe a new radar system. Uh, then they came back to the states, and then when they couldn't come back to the states, well, then of course then you had to get a new a new air group would come aboard then too. Okay. And with the Franklin, uh, the, we came back to to the states with on New York town. She went back to New York for uh, for a complete overhaul, and the Franklin had just come back from New York. Uh, for a complete overhaul from from battle damage, mm-hmm. she was a very unlucky ship. Yes, and um, uh, six months before that, she was completely devastated by a kamikaze. Okay, and she went back to to the states for fully repair, and that was almost six months for repair. Well, then she came back to San San Francisco. Our squadron came aboard the Franklin in San Francisco then, and then we went out to the out to Pacific. And she was um, well. A lot of it was the captain. He was a. I can't think of a nice way to describe him. We actually so read, read a little it. bit about that. <laughs> we yeah, read about that. Um, not you did everyone, read about him. Yeah, yeah. That he wasn't everybody's favorite. Right. Yeah. He was. Um, it sounded like he was very strict, and he had a very certain way that he wanted things done. And a lot of people were not big fans of him. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I'm glad. To, yeah, <laughs> oh, we, it's it's very much out there. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't come. Uh, he wouldn't come a- anywhere near the listed man oh. for a um, the inspection. Everybody had to come on on deck for on the flight deck for inspection. Officers and enlisted men. Okay. 
and he would inspect them from the bridge with a pair of binoculars. Oh, oh, wow. So he was like, uh, I'm and higher he, and better than everybody. And he he also knew, he knew the best way to do it, he, his way or no way. And uh, and then of course, when we were hit, um, he he, we all our hatches were open, by the way. From from the the ammunition hatch was open from the flight deck down. Um, they were serving breakfast. All that the hatch there was open, and there was a report that was a Japanese plane was in in the immediate vicinity of us. And uh, he said uh, he was he was advised to uh, batten down all of the hatches. And to make be aware that this plane was was in the in the near vicinity, and he he wouldn't do that. He said, "I don't see it. Leave it be. You know, it, oh. I, I, I know better." I think I'm going to stop you here, and I want to wrap up the first part of the podcast because I want to get deeper into your time on the Franklin, and I especially want to talk about what happened while you were there. And I actually want to talk to you about the Kamikaze pilots as well as we kick off the second part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fascinating. Everything that you've talked about so far has been fascinating, and to hear it firsthand is amazing. But we're going to wrap up on part one of the podcast, and then we will jump into part two.